0: Welcome to The Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association provides creative opportunities for all ages. Get creative with us at the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com or on Facebook, The Art Box.
1: So, welcome to the Art Box episode I Don't Know What. And we have Jim Luxick here. Correct. Who's an author, a reporter. And unfortunately, uh, my pal Linda won't be here today. She's sick. Jim came in anyway. And Linda did give me some questions to ask you. Uh oh. Yeah. So, welcome, Jim.
2: Thank you. Good to be here for. Not interviewing you for a change. Oh
1: yeah, that's yeah. We're usually on the other side. You want to tell us a little bit about
2: yourself? Well, um, or a lot about yourself. As far as artistry, I've been a writer for
1: well, you three consider, decades. You consider art? You consider writing as art? Sure. Okay, good. So do I.
2: Poets are considered artists. Screenwriters, artists. I mean, right. so I like to think of it that way. Um, I haven't actually finished a novel or a screenplay, but uh, been uh, a journalist. Uh, for 30 years plus Writing, write, you know, reporting, editing So, born in Kansas My family's still back in the Midwest All over the place, but I prefer the Southwest So, you're stuck with me
1: Oh, we're happy to have you here <laughs> You write well
2: Well, thank you I should hope so, that's <laughs> After all these decades, I better be pretty Even good at I it I
1: bribe you and Vernon to, to get my name in the paper
2: <laughs> Is that the trick? I wasn't aware of that, but <laughs> So what brought you to Mesquite? I was uh, spinning my wheels in, in the Midwest, and I was really pining for Vegas again. I missed—I lived in I'll Las Vegas you. for a few years, did you. Uh, exactly when the Vegas Golden Knights started. So hockey's my favorite sport. So okay. that was uh, serendipity, I guess. And then uh, I was uh, tired of the construction and the traffic, and I was exploring out out this way. I was exploring uh, the Virgin Valley and. I saw The Progress, a couple other publications, started talking to publishers out here, and Vernon hired me right away. So, I stuck around.
1: Yeah, well, that's good. So, where, you were in Vegas before? Yes. And how long, and who were you working for then?
2: Just a few months. Well, I've been... Uh, working still for yourself? Working part-time for a, a publisher in California, and I've been editing for him for years. Okay. Uh, I'm still doing it remotely. Uh, he's talking about retirement, though, so... But, no, I've been focusing on writing for for the progress, for the most part. Okay, so Vegas, Where? what other states have you lived in? Oh, boy. Kansas, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, New York, Florida, New Mexico, Arizona. I'm losing track, but
1: okay, so at Florida, least a dozen. So Florida, was it in the
2: Keys? Yes, Key West, and I managed to dodge hurricanes for the most part. Yeah, I was down there, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe. Oh, I was just going to say that my... Main memories that stick in my head are the humidity, the chickens run around, <laughs> and again, not having a boat—that's for sure. But I—I I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. Can't yeah. beat the it's can't beat the heat there. It's a different lifestyle. That's for sure. Like Another—it's like another world. Six-toed cats. Hemingway's six-toed cats. <laughs> yes, I know a, a lot of. Uh, I remember a lot of cyclists were down there. I was the only one without a bicycle too, and they—they <laughs> they often got run over. They got hit by drunks or people that couldn't see them. So that was a problem when I was there. That was a big concern, pedestrians and bike cyclists. And
1: everybody was drunk. Well, maybe not you. (laughs) No. So tell us about little Jim. Were you a writer
2: at birth? Almost. Um, I always loved the written word. I mean, when I was a little kid, I loved two things, and that was reading, writing, and, well, and also sports. I I was raised in a sports-oriented family. But I was using a typewriter when I was about age five. I just loved it. Just was always reading the newspapers and magazines and as much as I could. And Had a typewriter. I would type up anything from sports columns to movie reviews, even back then when I was a little kid, like yeah. seven or eight. I, uh, and then I'd go outside and play sports. But uh, yeah, I never, I, I couldn't stand math or science, physics, all that. Um, I was just all about reading and writing. So, what was your first published piece? Oh boy, that's a good question. Well, do you count a college newspaper? I mean, high school and college. Is, of course. I was, okay. Uh,
1: There's no elementary. A, was there an elementary school <laughs> paper? No, not quite.
2: Um, but I was uh, already writing in the ninth grade for the paper, and then by my junior year, I was an assistant editor, and then became the editor. And that was the transition around that time, unfortunately for me, when I was a senior in high school and heading into college to be a part of their newspaper. it's They were making the transition from old school printing and uh, figuring out columns by hand, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to uh, gradually starting computers and more, more fancy technology when it comes to uh, publishing. So... I was I was in the middle right at the beginning of that transition. It's, yeah, because I can't even imagine
1: how they used to put out newspaper.
2: Yeah, it was painstaking. Yeah, I'm sure as you can imagine. And uh, but fortunately for me, they had pretty much gotten rid of uh, smoking in newsrooms. Oh, um, I didn't have to deal with too much smoke after the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause they were work, still smoking, and you know, reporters. For me, I'd,
1: I'd go to meetings in rooms smaller than this, and everybody's smoking except well, me secondhand I, uh, smoke you you probably got you. Smoked? No, yeah, I did. I tried. I not Tried why.
2: once and then hated it, and I didn't see the appeal. But now that I'm older, I'm thinking of smoking a pipe. I love the smell of pipes. You know, like those. You see those authors or those old old time reporters with their hats and their pipe fedoras and. Yeah, well,
1: we. You know, for our picture here, we could get you a pipe and there you
2: go and an old hat. <laughs> I need to do that. It's is there, is there a pipe store around well, town? Yeah, that, it, probably uh, not. Yeah. And I wouldn't be allowed to smoke it anywhere anyway, right? I don't know anywhere. No, I don't even know where. I've never seen. I, I think you could smoke in the casinos.
1: They like that. Oh, a pipe?
2: One of those yeah, pipes. I don't know. Huh. Yeah, I'll never see it. Yeah? But I,
1: yeah. yeah. My dad used to smoke a pipe, and he smoked cherry blend tobacco, and I can still smell that to this day. Mm. Cherry blend tobacco. For that matter, I think we
2: have a packet at home. I think I had an uncle who did it, and a friend, a neighbor, and I love the smell, but I never... Still haven't tried it.
1: Where in Kansas did you grow
2: up? Manhattan. I was literally on K State's campus. My my dad and uncles all went there, and cousins. Did you go there? uh, Briefly, but I ended up in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I went to uh, Ohio Northern for a year, and then uh, Wright State University. Okay. Finished my and majored in media and communications. Okay. I spent some time in Dayton, and and
1: Dayton's an interesting place.
2: Yeah, that's one way to put it.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of World War II history. Um, with the that's where they constructed the um, the code breaking yeah things the, and the the mechanical stuff to break codes that they used in Europe
2: and the Wright brothers of course
1: yeah um,
2: but I still have a few relatives there but wasn't too interested in staying yeah. it's it's for a lot of again it's for a lot of families where a lot of people buy houses and settle down for life and it just wasn't wasn't for me um yeah, well they, i was always on the move especially i was more like a rolling stone you know being in the media and a bachelor and no kids that i'm aware of that sort of thing so know, i could just it's
1: nice to it's nice to be able to move yeah we've done it with kids maybe they weren't very happy about it all the time but we moved with kids um so i know that you used to like the type and the typewriter and you say that was best why is that best
2: it's just the feel of it for me. It's just a personal thing. And I think Tom Hanks and a couple others have said the same thing. I know there are a few longtime authors that still use typewriters, actually. And uh, it's just the, the tactile feel, just um, something about it. You can literally see it and grab the written page in your hand, hold it in your hands. And I know you have to either use a correction ribbon or white out, but uh, I kind of miss that. And I know they're—I heard they're making a comeback that certain— Models or, uh, But I think Tom Hanks has bought them all, so I don't know if oh, I Oh, has he? Pretty much. I'm I don't know if there's one in, in the state of Nevada that's affordable, but... Um, yeah, I'm looking for look a
1: typewriter, too. Um, did you see when you are in Key West, then, did you go up to... Um, Hemingway?
2: Hemingway. Yeah, the Hemingway house. Yeah, yeah sure. see where he rode up yeah. in, the, in the back? Sure did. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As he just punched over. That was one of the first places I went yeah. when I moved there.
1: So now that you use a computer... Right. You go home, and you type up your articles. I'm assuming you just take notes, because you say you don't You don't record anything. Correct.
2: Uh, I either scribble down on a notepad, depending on the situation or the scenario, wherever I'm attending. Um, if there's a place for me to set up a laptop, I'd much rather type notes. Um, I think I did that here with you once. Um, several other interviews if there's room if there's an extra table or desk I, I could, I'm i a fast typist so I'd much rather type what you're saying dictate it if you will you know transcribe it uh, much easier than scribbling because I write like a chicken speaking of chickens uh, chicken scratch is my hand ra- you know worst penmanship ironically now for sure now you type it up do you then use grammarly to
1: check your grammar no no
2: no I don't okay Sometimes there's it's set up such that uh, Microsoft Word or Google Docs will underline certain words and yeah. question them. Uh, so I'll look at those, make sure I have the grammar correct. But no, I don't. Okay. Don't use assistance or Grammarly. Okay, uh, Grammarly's
1: nice. I hate it sometimes, yeah. but so I've actually written some things using AI and then run it through yes. Grammarly. ChatGPT, and, and, sure. And Grammarly kills it. Grammarly, uh, maybe it's gotten better. I don't know, but initially. Grammarly it had to go fix everything in there and I'm like I thought you know it probably wasn't chat GPT. Well AI
2: it Yeah, so st- let's
1: talk about AI.
2: Well, okay. The strong suit there is its speed, I mean how quickly it spits it out, but and it is helpful. It can be helpful to many people. I'm not um I don't care who else uses it. That's fine. Uh it's not for me. It's not my style. Obviously, I've been writing for four decades myself, so I try to not use chat GPT as much well, as we possible. We immediately know it wasn't you. Correct. I sort of have like, my. Or Vernon would. Probably. I was, again, it, it just bits them out so rapidly, which is great for some people um, who either don't need or don't care about how it looks, how it reads exactly. You know, the, and there's no personality to it, you know. It's, and and the other catch, I read this, I read this in a few articles, uh, like in the Wall Street Journal and so forth, Consumer Reports, that AI doesn't have the emotional attachment, doesn't have the human instinct. So it, it things you and I know, it doesn't know. It uses Wikipedia, it uses Google sites, and if those are incorrect, then what you put into ChatGPT and whatnot are incorrect. Yeah, it's only That's you, the key. it's only and, using your work. Sure. Well, or your
1: prompt or other like people. No. Say, you can no say, I mean, but it goes out to the web and finds things, and it's seen sure. because there's a lot of artists now are like it's it's I see my pictures in some of the. Pictures that I see some of my picture, you know, so I'm going to put yeah, sure. posting my pictures up. There you go, because it'll take it.
2: But it's a fine line. I understand why some people use it and why it's helpful, but it's not a hundred. It's not uh, good enough, in my opinion. Okay. So there are pros and cons, and I don't, you know, I don't question anybody who wants to use it or thinks it it helps them. But at this point, I wouldn't dare. So I've got my own style, my own writing style. And if I'm going around interviewing people and I know a topic, I, why would I need to put it in a chat GPT or something? It's just not just not for me right now. Yeah. So how do you like how are you adjusting to the area?
1: Have you lived in rural areas before? Oh yeah. Oh definitely. And this is yeah. probably less rural than where you've lived before.
2: a <laughs> uh, little bit. A little bit. Um yeah, I'm used to this sort of thing. Um, I love the scenery here, love the climate. It's pretty good. Isn't um, it? One reason I left the Midwest was because of the freezing temperatures and the snow. Um, I'm done with snow and ice, hopefully, for the rest of my life. I adjust it, I go out often, probably dine out 75% of the time, so I've gotten to meet a lot of people. And that's good, that's the whole idea, especially in my line of work, right?
1: Yeah, and, your line of work. and there's there's a lot of interesting people here. Oh yeah, talk about deadlines. Okay. Which I start, in, what, in what context? I, I, when I look at the paper sometimes, I feel sorry for Vernon and his wife because I see that he writes. Yeah. And there's, I, there's a lot in that paper.
2: I think his son helps with pagination. I think he's a design, graphic yeah. designer and so forth.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering because mm-hmm. I think he tells me what's that Sunday and or when are your deadlines?
2: Mostly the weekend. Uh, as soon as you can get them in, um, like if I finish a inter- if I finish interviews and photos, and uh, I try to knock it out by Thursday or Friday, sometimes. But um, he gives me till Saturday or Sunday. Usually, he starts putting it together Monday morning, I believe, putting it all together. Now, I have nothing to do with the ads. I think he sells most of the ads, and they design them, and I have nothing to do with advertising. So that's that's a blessing. I don't know how early they finish those, but. I wrap up by Saturday. Usually, Does,
1: do you already do you tell him how much space you're going to take, or is he saying, "Jim,
2: I need"? He doesn't give me a word limit. Y's no, I space. keep I keep my film reviews shorter because they, those aren't local stories. The, even though they're playing at the local mega, megaplex, they're yeah. not local stories per se. So I keep the reviews a little shorter. But um, no, if I'm covering a festival, um, car show, that kind of thing. I can write uh, you know I'd say at least 500 to 800 depends um, there's not really much restriction there though whatever it takes to write a good story and get a couple sources and then Monday morning I sometimes help with editing stories
1: oh, okay. with copy so editor so when
2: does it, I know he's told me before because we interviewed him but when does it get printed well he distribute starts distributing it Tuesday even though the datelines say Wednesday okay um, he gets it out there Tuesdays for the most part, but I don't want to speak for Vernon too much. Oh, I
1: it's, know I just
2: well, I was more about your deadline sure. to, to get it in there. yeah, um, I usually finish by Saturday unless there's yeah something extra going on Sunday or some big event or uh, award winners that we want to know finish first on Sunday yeah. but that's about it. Um, and I've always taken pride in not missing a deadline. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, that's big. I'm punctual, that sort of thing. I hate missing deadlines it's
1: yeah, well i guess, I guess even on a big paper it would be devastating to oh yeah, yeah.
2: bigger cities bigger papers. it's got to
1: be printed it's...
2: oh yeah that's a that's a no no that's
1: and and tell me about because i was i was a a business manager at a nonprofit, and we put out a monthly newsletter and it was it was hard to make sure that everything was proofed. Because if you missed mm-hmm. it, you're mm-hmm. getting yelled at mm-hmm. by somebody yeah how much worry
2: do you have of that with my work or yeah, just with do, your work uh, helping Vernon or my I california mean, you, publisher yeah, oh yeah. i I proofread my own stuff i i well sometimes when I finish a story, I'll walk away for a few hours or if it's at night, and i'm a I'm ahead, you know I'm in good shape i'll uh Go to bed I'll go to bed and, and edit in the next morning. I'll proofread it the next morning and polish it okay. uh, just to get it get away from it Does
1: that's... anything ever hit you in the middle of the night and you get up and you have to
2: no, no are no, no. You, you, gonna... you you're young yet you can wait till the next morning. no I'm not young but um that's <laughs> oh, you that's you. why <laughs> that's why I'm not on TV. i v I've got a face for radio and podcast uh no I don't uh I would never get up in the middle of the night and start editing no it's I' either do it late at night or the next morning yeah but um no it's just one of those things where my profession is almost taken away from the enjoyment of leisurely reading everything i read now i'm I'm proofreading and i'm editing it in my head you know when i'm reading a book i'm studying how the author wrote a paragraph and that's just built that's oh so even if you're even if you're reading it for pleasure I can't get away from mentally locked in the proofreading and editing and how the author wrote something. And then I think to myself how I would have written. That's always in the back of my head, sure. I mean, I still read novels. I enjoy, you know, um, but magazines I'll flip through or on websites, whatnot. But I'm always thinking of how it's written and what I would have done differently. All
1: right. Talk to me about writing a book.
2: Oh boy That's the bane of my existence I write a couple of chapters and then Don't for a year you know I put it away And either lose track of it or uh, I, I start thinking it might not work I'm full of excuses when it comes to finishing a book I'm not very patient I've always had that problem where I'm Not so much restless but I don't have patience That's getting better I'm, I think I've gotten better at that Developing uh, uh, Stick-to-itiveness if you will over the years, but, um, up till I was, you know, my forties, I had zero patience and could not sit there and just, you know, hunker down with a, writing a novel or a screenplay. Screenplays I've always, I love movies. I do movie reviews and I've started screenplays, but they're so rigid, so formatted, you know, I mean, if you've ever seen one, you know what I'm talking about. You have to put everything, the side, you know, um, marginal sounds. you have to put those in brackets or parentheses. you got to say uh, Joe walks into a dark uh, pool hall. you know you've got to write every little detail, sometimes put it in brackets or parentheses or italics. has to be perfectly formatted. It's my understanding you can't go over 120 pages too. So those little too rigid for me. Yeah, so
1: no when the younger one went to film school up in Vancouver. And he had Screenwriter Pro. Does that sound... Mm, I've heard of he had, he had those type of apps Pro. and tools. And it did all that because I've seen there it.
2: There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go again with the AI and the technology, that sort of thing can, can help. Um, yeah. And this
1: is, you know, this is in 2000. Mm-hmm. So it was like that. And I always would, why don't you just use Microsoft Word because we have it. You know, why do, why do we, your parents, got to buy Screenwriter Pro?
2: But, you know, when... I'm thinking mostly about dialogue when I'm writing a screenplay or script. When I start one, I'm thinking about dialogue and who's going to be interacting, and then I see where you have to add in all these little notes and all the. Now, if you have an assistant or if you have a partner, um, a co-writer who can handle those things remind you, that's very helpful. But um, even the littlest, like you'll, I've seen screenplays that will say there was traffic in the background. You have to add that in parentheses that's or, yeah well I know but that's why I'm explaining why I haven't finished one and I, you, so much
1: detail there I'm sure you've had Nancy Arnold and Sue Kelson who write the um, the melodramas mm-hmm. and I haven't seen their I, I've never looked I should ask there you go let, let me see your screenplay yeah so, but they start writing it in like a year in advance.
2: No, I did have a buddy years ago in L.A., and we were starting to collaborate on a script. And then he got, a, he got married and had kids, and that was the end of that.
1: Yeah, so. that, can, that can
2: tend to tear things up. Yeah. So if you, and, if you write a book. Well, that's the thing. I've shifted gears a couple of times, started one book, then started another, and then lost Always dress. a novel? Since, yes. Well, sort of. One was based on me because I was moving so much and had lived in so many interesting places like Roswell and Key West. But then I would stop or lose track and pick another topic. Um, So that's why I'm starting to think about short stories, because I was in the local. I I stopped by a meeting of the local. uh, I saw saw the fellowship of writers and they a lot of them were writing short stories. Um, So that's since I don't have the patience to finish a novel, maybe I should try short stories. Yeah,
1: yeah, this guy, okay. this his name, Will something, I took him to, I drive for the um, Cancer Help Society, mm-hmm. and I took him down, not for chemo, but he just can't drive all the way to Vegas anymore. I think he's in his 90s, and um, on the way home, we talked, and he gave me a short story that he wrote, and it was a pretty good nice. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One, I love reading him, I love reading. He, he was in a group, and they would, they would do that, so is that what this group is going to do?
2: Well, yes, they um, write chapters or short stories or whatnot pieces, and then they read them aloud and they pass them distribute, you know, uh, pass them around to one another. Um, so it was, it seemed like a worthwhile, productive meeting. Pretty informal. It was a good time. I'd like to go back again one of these Saturdays. Uh, With
1: every Saturday, or just going to have. Uh, I
2: think it's every other Saturday. Every other but, Saturday. Yeah, it's whenever the most people could get together but right now since i've only been writing uh stories uh reports if you will and for the newspaper and editing for a california publication i haven't uh been up to speed with them i mean they were liter- they were bringing in chapters oh okay.
1: so they started <laughs> yeah have you ever thought about i mean teaching
2: yes and um like I said, I, as I don't have children and I'm not patient, I don't think it was for me. So I never until maybe my mid forties didn't really occur to me or think about it. And I know a lot of people that have done that, gone into teaching later in in life. Um, I think I could easily teach journalism, writing English, that sort of thing, but I need teaching certificates. I mean, I've seen those job opportunities when I was in Vegas, I lived right near UNLV campus, but you had to have some kind of certificate or get some kind of teaching license, and um, so you have to jump through hoops first. If somebody would just hire me because of my experience, my real life experience, I'd be all over it. Um, I'd be glad to teach. Yeah, one would think you know,
1: even in here in the STEAM Center that there might be some students who would you know, to like to learn a little bit about it. Sure. lived want to know, did you have a, a teacher, a specific teacher that encouraged you to write?
2: I mean, I had a couple that, that enjoyed my writing back in high school, especially the English teacher who was in charge of the newspaper. She and I clicked immediately. So my high school uh, English teacher who also ran the, the publication, she got me going and really appreciated my, my writing. And she kept encouraging me and was glad I became the editor and so, yeah, there were a couple of them that encouraged my writing. And we did, you know, back in grade school and junior high and so forth, I would write short stories. We'd have to write essays and that sort of thing. So I generally got high grades and high marks. And so I just stuck with it.
1: Yeah, I think teachers like that. Yeah. Because yeah, our younger one, he was always writing and he would always be teacher's pet. And I mm-hmm. think it was more that he would go on his own and write something. Then yeah. it sure as hell wasn't his handwriting. <laughs> um, so she was talking about, about you said, uh, doing movie reviews. Um,
2: what are some of your favorite movies and why? Oh, boy. Well, um, most of these are going to sound kind of dark. Uh, my favorites include um, Goodfellas, because I like gangster and mob movies. I do like and respect and appreciate the Godfather franchise. Little A little bit before my time. I was a little kid when those came out, so. But, they, you know, I, I see the brilliance in those. I love Pulp Fiction. That's right up there. Mystic River. I like a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. And then the Coen Brothers. I love all of theirs. Fargo and No Country for Old Men is another yeah. one. I'm glad Linda asked that because right now is... The is showing at the local theater, and I've been telling anybody who will listen, but I've been in the theater twice this week, and it was empty. I was the only person in for The Zone of Interest. Have you heard of that? The Zone of Interest, though. It's the best Holocaust movie I've ever seen because it's, it's totally different. It's up for Best Picture. It's up for Best International Film. The Zone of Interest. It's playing here right now, and <laughs> nobody is seeing it but me, and it's the best movie I've seen in years. It's a work of art, which uh, you would appreciate. Um, it's unique. It's gutsy and ambitious. Uh, Steve, it's here's the key: it's told from the standpoint not of the prisoners. It's not the people in the Holocaust in the in the concentration camps. It's told from the point of view of Hitler's right hand men, his command, commandants, I guess they're called. Yeah. There was a family that lived right next door to the concentration camp, and it's about. That family living together, he, you know, uh, he eat breakfast with his kids and play with his kids and then go next door to be in charge of the concentration. Yes. But you don't see that. You see his family, you see them growing a garden, playing. And there's the contrast, the juxtaposition of you see the train smoke billowing while they're playing in their garden with the kids. Phenomenal filmmaking. The artistry blew me away blew me away so the zone of interest hope it wins some awards in March but I highly recommend it to anybody that's listening the artistry the imagery itself those make it worthwhile for anybody it's it's overpowering unique ambitious I can't say enough about it now just to be clear Steve even though he's showing it from the viewpoint of the Nazis He's not empathizing. It's he's just showing you how they lived and did a lot of things you and I did. They'd take the kids down to the lake. And then like you said, he would go off and kill people. But it's just extraordinary.
1: Do you ever go out to do a story and then it's it turns to it turns bad. Maybe not oh, necessarily sure. oh, for yeah. you, but maybe you you don't like what you have to write. You probably do get a lot of that.
2: Over the years. Not here. Sure. There have been lots of instances where either an event was postponed or sources didn't show up or uh, fell through or promised one thing and it didn't happen. That that sort of thing happens, or it gets rained or snowed out. Sure, yeah. that happens to everybody. We did have an incident in Roswell, of all places, where we uh, interviewed—it wasn't me personally— but we interviewed a woman celebrating her hundredth birthday. Oh. And what do you think happened before it got published? I'll give you one guess what happened to her. Um so that was very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, she passed away and did it still publish the story? Um uh, I don't remember how the publisher handled it, but it was um yes, I think they did end up having to run it. Just the timing couldn't have been worse. And I think that happened with Betty White or somebody People magazine recently had somebody on their cover celebrating her and then she died I, that I week. I think
1: it was, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's just there's nothing I to can do about that. I remember in a grocery store seeing Betty White and then But that's the catch 22. You want to you want to celebrate the person, you want to honor them, but it saying, still "Hey, happened. they turned 100."
1: But it still happened. I would sure. think the family would still like that.
2: Well, yes, I'm sure, but I mean, just,
1: it may be a little tough at the time, yeah. but
2: like I, I wasn't the one who interviewed the family, I but I
1: bet they saved it.
2: Mhm. Oh, sure. it was a nice tribute so what were you doing in roswell not looking for ufos no no um (laughs) that was 47 miles away anyway that's they say roswell claims it but it happened 50 miles out so that's the funny thing that's where i got my first job as an editor i was writing back in dayton back in ohio in the midwest i was writing movie reviews and entertainment just strictly writing and then all of a sudden a managing editor in roswell uh, liked my resume said you want to start becoming an assistant and editor and so uh, I was like what the heck I love New Mexico and fell in love with the southwest it wasn't my favorite place to live was uh, that your
1: first foray into the southwest sure
2: yes absolutely and I loved it and that's uh, between that and Arizona and just love the climate down there the wide open spaces uh, I think that might be why I like cowboy movies too westerns, just the independence going out and it's just how I've always been I don't want to say I'm not a people person, but I just don't like traffic and uh, being in the middle of a big city. I enjoy visiting New York City and Times Square, the excitement of it. I understand all the restaurants and the theaters there. But what do they call it, the big white way? That's not for me to live there. Um, No. So so I I loved—
1: I could live there. My wife and I talked about that. Why not live
2: in New York for a year? uh Uh-huh. And park the car someplace else. And, I did leave on Long Island briefly. And, did you? Yeah. But I much prefer the climate here. And uh, didn't care for Roswell very much. I got out of there after after a year. Went to uh, Las Cruces and El Paso. And then up. I love Santa Fe. That's where a lot of movie stars live, up that way. Yeah, yes. Las Cruces. Did you ever go to the church down
1: there with um, um, the, the Clyde Trumbaugh church? Yes. See, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. the stained glass window is, yeah. uh, you know, we went down there just to see that. And we got down there just ready to close. And
2: they let us come inside and see it. it, was, it was, old Town Messia, I think that's how they pronounce it. Yeah. But there's some beautiful spots down there. Yeah, that was on the retirement
1: shortlist. Um, so Bill Bryson. Yes. Yeah, I like Bill Bryson. Oh,
2: excellent yeah. writer. So he's a riot. You know, he he's a brilliant author, humorist, funny as hell. Yes. But. Um, but he's also very knowledgeable and you know, like a historian, history buff. He has written a lot of other books besides travel books. He's something else.
1: And then, yeah, yeah, there are other books. Actually, I noticed my
2: son, um, he was visiting, and he left a book behind. Now, my favorite, he's one of my favorite humor writers. Dave Barry was too when I was growing up. I always read Dave Barry's columns and a couple of his books. Chuck Klosterman was another one. He's got a dry sense of humor, which I prefer. Sort of, He has a sort of a deadpan, dry humor. I don't know if you've ever read any of Chuck Klosterman's, but... I don't think so. He was a music critic, so he started writing books about rock. And uh, my, one of my all-time favorite books is one that he wrote, I don't know, 15 years ago. Uh, Killing Yourself to Live. And he's talking to all the rock stars who either killed themselves or died in accidents. He went around the entire... Spin Magazine sent Chuck all around the country to these spots where famous... Musicians Died. That's one of my all-time favorite books, just um, the style to it. The, so, But my favorite author, I have to say, I think the best writer of all time is Truman Capote. He's my favorite. You can have your Shakespeare and your Faulkner, and I'll take Truman yeah. Capote, who died too young because he couldn't stop drinking. But that's, that's the way it goes. I'm grateful for In Cold Blood. I, because I'm a Kansas native, that one caught my eye. The
1: well, In the, Cold Blood, that was about the Tate.
2: The family got—no, the— the family, they got murdered. Um, the country, out in the country, the farm. Okay. Um, I don't know For why. $40, they got murdered. For $40? For a total of $40. And fortunately, the killers were caught, as you know. And But just, the writing's just phenomenal. And, it's, and he called that the first non-fiction fictional book, because he threw in a little fiction, a little of his own. Oh, did he? Yeah. So that was kind of controversial. And then Norman Mailer did it, I believe, too but they started calling them fictional non-fiction novels. Yeah. But it was mostly true story. So, I didn't like when Barnes & Noble put it in the non-fi- or put it in the fiction section. <laughs> I don't know how you put in Cold Blood in the fiction section, but anyway. Yeah. Are
1: there any Barnes & Nobles
2: left? Oh yeah. There are a few out there. So, there's a few. There's at can... least one in Vegas, I know that.
1: Yeah, there there's one in St. George, I think. I think it's still there. Yeah. I don't know. I used to love to go. I'd like to go to the bookstore
2: I miss yeah. I miss bookstores. I love going in there. And Amazon's not the same. You know, go on Amazon Prime or whatnot. It's just not the same as being there in person and feeling the book in your hand and reading a little bit of it.
1: I like what you said about um, advice for aspiring artists. And maybe you want to talk about that.
2: I don't remember what I wrote a couple of weeks back in the notes. No, it's us
1: focus on one thing you're good at and keep repeating it. Yes,
2: and that's what I did. Um, again, that's not for everybody, but, I mean, that was just, I don't know if it was my nature. I don't know why my parents weren't writers. Um, my, nobody <laughs> I'm aware of in my family tree was much of a writer or pursued it, but just as soon as I could start reading, I just loved words. Didn't care about numbers. You know, I know that's where the money is, the financial facts and figures and the, uh, the stock market, that sort of thing. It's just not for me. Didn't take to it.
1: One of our questions is, do you do art for the money
2: or for your soul? Obviously, in my case, it's the soul. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you're still making a living out of it. Sure. Yeah. I've gotten by. Uh, a couple of the, the better, uh, the bigger publications and the ones I enjoyed, one in Key West and one in Santa Barbara, they folded. Uh, the publisher Had to shut them down For personal reasons Or they moved away Yeah you said that After six months Yes in the Key West No surprise there it's Such a transient place And she uh, Publisher was It was sort of like An experiment for her um, oh. And she hired me As the managing editor And the main writer And all that and she It was did, going great For a few months But she didn't have Enough backing Oh I think one of her Financial backers um, Moved or something Happened uh, That was unfortunate Because I loved that But and then in Near Santa Barbara, same thing. Great job. Loved what I did. Great publication. then she said, I'm moving to Texas. She packed up her ranch and all of her belongings and moved to Texas.
1: And left you?
2: Yep. Left us hanging. Did you get a two-week notice? And it was at Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Why is it always at Christmas? (laughs) Yes, we did. But I don't want to. That's a dead horse. No sense in dwelling on that. But um, definitely do it because I enjoy it. But But you
1: survived it and moved to another state.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but I'm still writing. I'm still editing for Santa Barbara, another one. Okay. so uh, there are pros and cons to it, of course. But I've gotten to see uh, on the upside, I've gotten to see the entire country. So that's one upside to it. But, yeah, it's just what, what like you'll hear. Many people say, that's just what I do. You know, why do you why have you been doing this for years or decades? Your livelihood. That's that's what I do.
1: Where do you see yourself in five years?
2: Probably I mean as much as I love Mesquite, I mean look at my track record I'm always moving so I don't know I mean uh, that's all better off that's a tough question that's always the toughest question for me Most people they can say answer that no problem <laughs> I can't I'm not going to lie to you I don't know where I'm going to be in 5 years I'd like to be here I'd like to be in Vegas I don't know I can't rule out Europe I haven't been to Europe in a while I love it you know I don't think I'm going to be one of those pretentious guys that sits at a cafe or on the on the Paris streets with a little uh, laptop. Right, no, yeah, that's, uh, I don't mean laptop. I don't seem, a, I don't think I'll be doing I, that. i a typewriter. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm not going to rule that out. I want to visit Switzerland. I I've been around the world, but not enough places that I love. I I was taking a trip with uh, my sister years ago, and I've been in a group. You know, I've been overseas in a group and with. Other people and so forth, but uh, I would like to go to Ireland someday. Switzerland top of my list.
1: Now, going there, you just want to go there to see it and experience it, or or do you have a story in your head?
2: Well, hopefully both. You always right? have a story in your head. Yeah, you I'm always thinking that. about that. Um, yeah, I, I wrote an essay back in the '90s when I traveled around the the world. I uh, went to Bangkok and went to Thailand and Hong Kong and. Uh, so forth. And someday I want to get down to Rio. I keep hearing about the crime down in Rio de Janeiro, but I still want to go there someday. But yeah, a book's always in the back of my head. Or I could be a travel writer, perhaps. I don't know. There you go. It'd be hard to keep up with Bill Bryson. But It'd be a, be a travel blogger go to YouTube channel. Yeah. I know some of those publications, like Lonely Planet, they have a high standard. and So I don't know what the possibilities are there, but yeah. it's food for thought.
1: It's always to find your niche. Do you think as an author, that you could write something so beautiful, so thought provoking that there would never be need for painting or
2: film or anything God no okay. That's a, I, told I thought you. that was a rhetorical question I told question. you it's a
1: stupid question Well
2: why do you ask it if nobody likes it I, Because it's here and I
1: keep seeing it <laughs> Okay. and one day somebody's going to tell me yes Steve I'm going to write this beautiful novel and there will be no need for painting
2: yeah, But there are so many brilliant superb novels out there there's that's the thing about writing to me is that's why I stuck with it. I just love a good turn turn of phrase and a and, uh, beautiful piece of writing. Just nothing better to me for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's art. What does Linda think of that question?
1: She never asked it.
2: <laughs> I can see why. She she would get rid of it. Turning towards the future. What excites you about writing? Here we go again with the future. Just to keep doing it. I mean, what's not to like with everything changing and, um, you know, the unpredictability? Possibilities are endless. Like I said, if I travel again, who knows what I'm going to find out there, right? I'm not going to predict the future. I'm just saying there's, um, it's very mercurial, don't you think? The modern world. Every day, something. There's major news or something changing. It's all bets are off. I think. We're surprised every day, but yet
1: we're not surprised every day. I like the da- I like the days that we're surprised yeah. to the good. There you so. go. This comes from my growing up. I would hear a really good song. I forget what song it would be, but as a teenager, and I'd ha- I'd think that because I was always thinking about infinity and how could infinity be, mm-hmm. but they just created this song. There can be no other songs because there's only so many notes and there's only so many words and that was the perfect song. So nobody is ever going to make another song because this is the perfect song to end it all. Oh, And well, I'm surprised because the next week on the radio comes another song they I like.
2: There anyway, you go. That's, it's subjective. Art is subjective. Yeah. I, it's in the As they say, in the eye of the beholder or the listener, that's just yeah there's so many different ways to create music compose music so uh, and paint paintings every there every, you go it's always a surprise i, I make love.
1: movies yes yeah as i'll find out i'll go see that in the next couple of nights um last question what's inspired you this past week
2: what's inspired me the past week boy that's a heck of a question um, I'm inspired every day. I mean, there's always something I read or I see. I mean, Zone of Interest for one. I, I just marvel at that. He, the the director also wrote it. Jonathan Glazer. He wrote the script. So, and where's um, he? Where's he from? I think he's British. The British, uh, or maybe Australian. I know he's. Uh, I don't think he's American. But yeah, th- that's probably what inspired me the most. Um, how thought provoking that movie is, and. Uh, and then, uh, you know, 10 days ago or so, when I was with the Fellowship of Writers group, that's, that, that's motivating me, too, because they're writing these chapters and these short stories, and I'm sort of spinning my wheels, just doing some reporting and features and editing, and I need to get back to my, uh, maybe I'll try dabbling in short stories for a change. Yeah. Since I don't seem to have the patience and stick to with, with a novel. That'll be A short short story could lead to a novel. There you go. Or at least a collection, a compilation, right? Jim, thank you very
1: much. You're welcome. Thanks for the invite. We enjoy seeing you around town, and we always see you around town.
2: Yes, you do. Everywhere. There's Jim.
0: Broadcasting from the Mesquite Works Steam Center in the scenic Mojave Desert. The Artbox sponsors thank you for listening. You can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We welcome all comments. You can email us at artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.